are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me on Twitter at KukaHillNBA. You can find me over at Detroit Bad Boys, buying articles about the Pistons. You can find me on YouTube at Coos Ballroom. And I haven't told you guys this joke in a minute, but like I've told you guys for the first, I believe, like two and a half weeks of doing this podcast. I was a credential media member for the 2019-2020 season, so that kind of makes me a big deal. So on today's podcast, we got a few things to talk about. So I'm recording this on the night of the 24th, and on the 24th, apparently, it was the 17-year anniversary of Tayshawn's block on Reggie Miller in the playoffs. So we're going to talk about where I believe Tayshawn's block ranks in all-time playoff history. We're going to talk about that. Then we're also going to talk about there's some things going on with on Twitter with some fans talking about some old draft failures. We live in the past a little bit, talking about some, oh, you know, they missed out on this guy, missed out on that guy. I'm going to talk about why it's time for everyone to move on from past Pistons failures. And then also I'm going to give three way too early goals for the Pistons offseason. Once again, three way too early goals. Like we haven't really hit the offseason yet. So again, put emphasis on way too early because this very well may change, but that's what we got up for you guys today on this podcast. So let's go ahead and get right into it with Tayshon's block. So if somehow, some way, you're listening to a Pistons podcast and you have not seen Tayshon's block somehow and you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up on YouTube and shame on you if you are a Pistons fan and you have never seen Tayshon's block. I, I don't think anybody listening is going to fall in that category, but if you do, I don't know where the hell you've been living. I don't know how the hell you don't know about this block, but... Obviously, I think almost everyone does know about Tayshon's Black, so I'm not going to full detail about it. Uh, I am playing it right now in front of me. But first, can we just talk about how it's been 17 years? That is, that, that's crazy. That's so wild, bro. Like, I'm 23 years old, and it, that that's a moment that makes me feel old. Like, obviously, I'm really young, and I, I know a lot of people get annoyed with me. Like, dude, you're not even old. You're, you're, you're in your early 20s. You're not old. Why do you keep saying that? But 17 years ago... That is, it does not feel like it's been that long, man. It's crazy how old I'm getting, how old all the players are getting, how long ago it was that the Pistons won that championship. I, I It literally feels like for me, like, I won't say just like yesterday, but it does not feel so long ago that I remember crying when Daniel Gibson went off on the Pistons in like that fourth quarter overtime. I remember being like a little kid and coming downstairs crying that the Pistons lost. And it does not feel like it's been that long. 17 years, man, that's crazy. But anyways... Where does Tayshaun's block rank all-time in playoff history? So I went through and like watched the playoff block, all-time playoff block uh, video, and I believe this one came out uh, right after the bubble last year because it has Bam Adebayo's block on here. Uh, I'm not going to include Bam Adebayo's block on my list. Uh, I'm sure if there's any Heat fans in here or any Bam fans, they might be a little frustrated with that. Cause I, I actually saw an article today about it, I, I, so I guess it 
is a bigger deal than than I think it is, but I, I don't have it on my list. But anyways, so I went through and watched like the whole video to see if like there was any like older ones that I don't know about, like because obviously like I sound pretty young, so. I wanted to see if I missed like some from the 90s and 80s and if Keith Black is listening to this he's probably going to tweet me and start tweeting all these other blocks that happened before I was born that I missed out on which is fair so uh, once again I was born in 1997 so if I miss like a miss something that happened and it wasn't by like Michael Jordan or something and it was like before I was born I, don't come at me too much like I it is what it is man so the blocks I got on here uh, I believe there's only three other blocks that I think of when when I think of Tayshon's block, only three other blocks I believe like are on that type of level that I, I instantly think of. So we'll go through each one of those. First, I think it's quite obvious. I think everyone knows where this one's going to be. I think everyone, there's a large sum of the base of the NBA fan base that's probably going to say this is the best block of all time in playoff history. And it's because it was by LeBron and you know how LeBron stands are. So, of course, the block in the finals on Iguodala, that is 100% in my top five. I think that's on the uh, same tier as Tayshaun's block. Obviously, you have to mention that one. Now, we can stay right there with LeBron. Another block that happened in the playoffs that I always think about. Uh, I remember watching it live, uh, happened live, and it was when he w- uh, he completely just destroyed Tiago Splitter at the rim in, I believe, Game 2 of the NBA Finals against the San Antonio Spurs. So, like, a little quick funny story about that block is that, like, the next year... I believe the next year was the game that LeBron was on the cover of. I believe he was on the cover of 2K14, uh, NBA 2K14. And after that block, as soon as he made that block, that's when, I don't know if anybody listening plays 2K like that, but anyone who does and knows about this knows where I'm going with this. As soon as LeBron made that block on Tiago's splitter, it completely changed how 2K was played because they made it to where, oh, look, LeBron did that block. We have to incorporate that in our game. And now after that, just everyone was able to block anybody on any chase down. Everyone was blocked anybody on the, at the rim. As long as you were, like, athletic and were, like, at least 6'5 or had some long arms or whatever, you, you'd be blocking Yao Ming at the rim. you chase down Giannis. Like, you just – that's that's why if you play 2K nowadays and you get, like, an absurd chase down block and, and, and people get blocked at the rim, you're like, why the hell can this happen? Go back to 2K14. Blame LeBron. Because as soon as LeBron did that block in Tiago Splitter, it was it was game over on 2K. It was game over. Everyone was blocking everybody. You could be a pure sharpshooter, and you were blocking everybody. So that's like a, that's one of the like iconic ones for me. Because like I said, I'm a pretty young dude, and I love playing 2K. So I that that's like a little moment that always sticks out to me because it like changed how like a video game that I grew up playing and still play today was played. Like how they the features within it. It was that that iconic at the time. I I think when he blocked Splitter at that time, it was pretty absurd. Like I don't know, like LeBron's always been a really good defensive player, but like at that time, I mean, I may be wrong, but I don't I don't remember a block being talked about like that. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember a block being talked about like that at that age when I was around that age, like 13 years old, whatever, uh, during that time at all. So I don't know. I, that block was pretty iconic for me. And then the other one that I think of. I'm sure some people probably don't think about this one as much. I believe it should be. It was Manu's block on James Harden at the end of the game to to secure the win for San Antonio. I think that block, it wasn't no chase down. It wasn't like he jumped 50 feet in the air or like met a guy at the rim. But that block was absurdly tough to pull off without fouling and to secure the win off of it. I think that right there makes it like makes it even more like important and more iconic is the fact that like. So like Tayshon's block happened, but there's still time left over. Uh, LeBron's block happened, 
and then they were, the the black on Igadala, but there was still time after. So those blacks, like while they like really impacted the game and like helped teams win, um, Manu's block legit happened to end the game. Like he that was a game clinching block, and it was really t- like you know how hard it is to block a dude from behind on a, especially a three point attempt. And we're talking about James Harden here too, who sells every call possible, who draws fouls from beyond the arc like it's like it's easy as hell, like it's just him breathing. Uh, so like him just breathing day to day, it's, it's as easy as that for him. And Manu was able to not only time it perfectly, but block him from behind, get all ball without touching him at all or following him at all and risking that. So I think those are the four blocks that I instantly think of. I know some people are probably going to include, want me to talk about Bam's block. I'm not going to, um, I don't know. Is there like another block that I'm, I'm like not thinking about? There probably is a lot of other ones that happen throughout playoff history. The NBA has been around for a minute. So I, I may I may be forgetting one, but that those are the f- four that I always think of. But either way, I think Tayshon's block is at the top of that, and there's a real quick reason why. I think the only one that like even comes close to it is LeBron's block on Iguodala. But even then, like if we're going on degree degree of difficulty, Tayshon's block is freaking absurd. Like I understand everyone wants to like like worship LeBron and anything he does gets boosted and everything. Like that was a great block. But there's no way in hell you're telling me you watched that block and tell me it was a harder a harder block to pull off than Tayshon's. Tayshon came out of nowhere. Tayshon literally had... You want to talk about someone having to come out of nowhere? Tayshon sprinted. I don't know how the hell he caught up to Reggie Miller and got this block. Like, I'm watching it right now. Like, dude, hell no, no. I don't care what anyone says. That's the greatest playoff block ever. This dude's taken off from half court. And, and like, at the very... This dude, Reggie Miller, is already basically at the free throw line by the time he takes off from half court. He catches up and... <laughs> barely gets it before it gets on the glass, goes flying into the stands. Like, there's no way. There's no. I don't care what any of you guys say, bro. And LeBron's block, while once again, I'll probably have it number two, he was also helped by J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith getting uh, Iguodala to double clutch. If Iguodala doesn't have to double clutch. He probably dunking that. Like, it's easy. LeBron's not getting to that. J.R. Smith helped him. Tayshaun didn't have no help. Tayshaun had to take off and sprint like Sonic the Hedgehog to get to that rim and pull this block off. There's no way. I, I don't care. I know. This block is the greatest block of all time in playoff history, and I don't care what anyone says. No one's going to convince me otherwise. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. But, yeah, man, 17 years, dude. That's that's crazy. 17 years. That's a, that's It's been a while. We're about to reach 20 years on that. That's crazy to think about. But coming up, like I said, we're going to talk about why it's time for, I believe, Piston fans to stop bringing up the past or stop talking about past Piston failures in the draft. Uh, we're we're going to talk about that. And also... We're going to talk about three way too early goals that I have for the Pistons offseason. Mind you, again, I want to put emphasis on way too early because they will change likely as we get closer to the offseason or some things happen in the offseason. Uh, but this is three way too early goals for the Pistons offseason. But before we get to that, let me tell you about a few of our sponsors. First up is Lucy Nicotine. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Lucy Nicotine was researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three different flavors, winter green, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has lozenges with four milligrams of nicotine that come in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. 
It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. Go to Lucy.com and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to get 20% off all products on your first order. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Go to Lucy.com and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDONNBA on your first order. And then let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Rock Auto. You ever need a part for your car? Head to the store, go through a ton of confusing questioning just for one of the workers to tell you that they don't have the part that you're looking for? I know I have. That's why you should avoid all these problems and rock with another one of our sponsors, rockauto.com. Find whatever part you're looking for on your computer or in your hand by using your phone at rockauto.com. Don't worry about having to create an account or making a membership. Just head over to rockauto.com and start shopping. rockauto.com always offers the lowest and most reliable prices. Head over to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So now we're going to talk about why it's time, I believe, for Pistons fans to stop talking about, or I won't say stop talking about, but try to move on from the past. So I logged on to Twitter today, you know, like I always do every day, you know, it's an addictive uh, app. So, you know, I, I log on Twitter today and I see like this, this, this thread or like not this thread, but this topic floating around in Pistons Twitter. And it was started by an account tweeting out the Pistons, ha- uh, when Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell were in like Piston, the little draft combine shirts, they had like little Piston practice jerseys, like before the draft, back when they were working out for the Pistons. And it was like basically saying, well, we could have had both of these guys. What happened? We could have had at least one of them. Which one was the bigger mess up? Which one was this? Which one was that? Like talking about that. So I saw a lot of people engaging with it, but then also I also saw which caused I believe some of the this discourse to happen. Uh, I know you guys all know who he is. Nick Henkel tweeted out that basically saying it's time for everyone to shut up about all this and stop talking about this. It's really annoying. One of the most annoying things for him, and it's just blah blah like all that stuff about why it's basically annoying for him to deal with and, and annoying for him to even see Piston fans talk about this. So. I, I feel it on it on to an extent. I, I won't say like it's annoying or like I won't say that you guys can't talk about it because I mean it is what it is. If you guys want to talk about it, I mean that's that's on you guys. But I do agree that it's probably time for everyone to move on and stop talking about this. And there's also like context that needs to be like included in this. So like one of the things that gets on my nerves the most, um, the the only one I'll give you guys a pass on actually. Um, Actually, you know what? I can't even give you a pass on that one. It's just overall, the thing that I don't really get with this is that... So, like, if you just use Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell as an example, like, yes, they both look like they were... Like, there's plenty of people that thought both of them were going to the Pistons, like, as at the time of the pick, when the Pistons got on the clock, a lot of people thought they would get those guys and they went a different direction. Um, but it wasn't just the Pistons, like, that passed up on these guys. That's, like, what I don't really get with this. So, I understand being pissed that the Pistons passed up on these guys when it happened. But also, like, looking back on it, you can still be, like, uh, like annoyed that it happened. But also, the Pistons were not the only team who passed up on these guys. Like, how many guys do you believe wish they had Devin Booker instead of who they drafted? How many people do you think wish they had Donovan Mitchell instead of the person they drafted? Like, it's not the Pistons messed up, but it's not just the Pistons who did mess up. So, like, if you're going to continue criticizing the Pistons about it, you can criticize other teams about it too. And I, I really get what you guys are coming from when you guys criticize and you guys bring this stuff up. It's really not just about those two picks. Those two picks hurt the most because they instantly both like are becoming stars, superstars. 
but it's deep rooted. It's 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 much deeper than that. And I get that with you guys. I I, I if you feel like some people are missing that, I'm not. I get what you guys are saying because it's not like it, it's deep rooted because it goes back years of the Pistons not drafting well at all. So like you even go back to like this like I have the drafts all in front of us. So. We got Austin Day in 2009 and Dewan Summers. The best draft pick from that draft in 2009 for the Pistons was Jones Jarebko. Okay, that, that was the Pistons' best draft pick. He played the most minutes out of everybody. He had played 11,000 minutes. Okay, Jones Jarebko had a decent career for a second-round pick. I think he had a really successful career for a second-round pick, but nothing off the charts. Then the next pick, they had Greg Monroe and Tariqa White in 2010. Greg Monroe is out the NBA. He, he is young enough to be still in the NBA right now. He should not be out the NBA. He just isn't that good. So he's out the NBA now. So then you go to the next year. Now you got Brandon Knight, Kyle Singler, and Vernon Macklin. Brandon Knight didn't really do anything for the Pistons. He had a little prime spot like before he had to deal with injuries when he was playing like a borderline all-star, which is pretty cool. But either way, Brandon Knight over Kemba Walker, that that was that's tough to look back on as well. You got Kyle Singler in the second round, who was a decent second round pick. I think he played near 8,000 minutes, so it was decent. Andre Drummond easily next year was the best draft pick I believe you could say for the Pistons over the last decade easily. Uh, then you also have Chris Middleton, who the Pistons gave up on. So that's probably another thing that hits you guys and just like, what the hell are you guys doing? Then you got the 2013 draft. You got Contavious Caldwell Pope. I believe 2013 was the draft that Giannis was in. So then you also got those guys there, like, what the hell? Now we missed out on Giannis too. And that's just 2013. We haven't like <laughs> we're in 2021 now. So then we go next 2014. Spencer Dewey. Teeing off now. He's not in the Pistons no more. The Pistons gave up on him. And with Spencer Dinwiddie, I'm, I'm, before I forget saying this later, because I might, because I'm ranting a little bit. Spencer Dinwiddie, now, while I think the Pistons are giving more time, obviously, I, I'm never a fan of giving up on players, like, too way too early. Uh, like, you guys will always hear me say, it, give a player time. Like, you never know. Like, I'd say at least, like, 24, 25, what a player can become. And even after that, you can, like, a player can become something. But Spencer Dinwiddie, they did give up on him too fast, I believe. But they weren't the only ones. The Bulls also gave up on him. So it's not just the Pistons. Why don't the Bulls get the same kind of attack the Pistons get? But like I said, I understand it's much more deeper. It's not just one pick. It's the fact that all these are combining. It's just a big snowball right coming down the hill. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Then the next year, you got Stanley Johnson over D-Book. That just keeps going and keeps going. Then you got Henry Ellison, Michael Benichet. Neither of them, if you combine their minutes, they even play a 1,000 minutes in the NBA. Then you keep going. Then you got Luke Kennard, who was over Donovan Mitchell. That's another. Just keeps going. Then you got Bruce Brown, who was a really good pick. The only pick in that draft uh, that they had, they also got Kyrie Thomas, but he's not with the team anymore. And then you got Sekou, and now you got Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, and all this, blah, blah. So basically all that was to show that I really get what you guys are coming from, that it's not just like these two picks that you guys were talking about. It's really like the whole, like the Pistons drafting and development in general over the past 11 years, uh, actually 12 years. So I get that 12 years like could definitely like, make you guys annoyed and, like, talk about that. Like, I, that's why I'm going to say that I don't think you guys are allowed to talk about it or it's not annoying that you guys talk about it. Because it's annoying for me, too. It lasted for 12, like, I'd say damn near 12 years of the Pistons just being bad drafting and bad at development, developing. So I get it. But the reason why I think it's time to move on is because, listen, there's nothing, you can't change it, first of all. Like, obviously, you can't change it, and it is what it is. And secondly, I could understand it. I think specifically now... It's time to like, or you should feel more comfortable with moving on because one that was so both like a multiple of these picks came on different draft regimes. So like Andre Drummond and like everything before Andre Drummond in 2012 was like Joe Dumars and he's been long gone. 
And then also you got uh, Stan Van Gundy who made these picks with the D-Book and the Donovan Mitchell, all that stuff. He's been long gone. And now we got Troy Reaver. So it's and it's different regimes, and we can't hold on to these regimes for the longest because they're not even here anymore. So, like, their traces are all gone. Troy Reaver has completely ripped any trace to their regime, gone. Like, it's, it's not even, like there's no resemblance of those regimes here anymore. So that's another reason why I think it's probably time now to move on. And then secondly, to continue with Troy Reaver is that he's delivered on good picks. So now it, you should feel more optimistic about the Pistons drafting. You should feel more optimistic about the Pistons developing. Uh, and then also, like I said, I'm not the biggest Dwayne Casey fan, but Dwayne Casey has proven that he's done a pretty good job at developing young guys. He's, he's doing a pretty good job over here in Detroit. So not only do you got a good uh, a GM who has shown, shown over the past like 10 years with OKC and now his first year as a GM with the Pistons to be a pretty good drafter, you also got a coach who's been showing that he's pretty good developing players. So combine all that, and then you combine that with the fact with that they drafted Killian Hayes, they drafted Sadiq Bey, they got Isaiah Stewart, they got Saban Lee, all four of those guys showing potential. Three, I'd say three of those guys exceed uh, uh, the expectations. Two of those guys look like they're going to be in the NBA for quite a long time. And then Killian Hayes has shown his potential, but I, we can't comment on him. He's only played 26 games, but he's shown his potential. He's also showed low lights, but he showed his potential. And then also, even Seku. I know there's a lot of people who are out on Seku, but Seku also falls in this group. He showed flashes, and he's shown down the stretch of what he could become. So it's just that I feel like if there's any time for you to be more comfortable with the Pistons and their and their drafting and their development, it's right now. And the fact that you could you should feel so comf- comfortable with this right now, you shouldn't be thinking about like years ago was what happened with these other draft picks that the Pistons missed out on. Yes, it sucks. Like, obviously, it, it sucks that the Pistons were awful and terrible and downright bad at drafting and developing for nearly 12 years. Yes, I, I mean, I get it. Like, their best player that they developed was Andre. He's the only one. Like, I understand it can be very, it's, it's very frustrating to be a Piston fan the past 12 years. And I understand that, like, it's not something you can easily just get out your head. That's why I'm not going to say that you guys just need to shut up about it. I'm not going to say that to you guys. But what I am going to say, I think you guys should feel more comfortable with this team I think you guys should feel more confident in this regime and more confident in the GM, the coach, and feel, what's the word, more, I guess the word would be more safe with this team and and not think about the past as much now because you guys got a lot of good young players right in front of you now to think about. You got a lot of good selections right in front of you to think about. Combined with the, the, the players that he brought in or Troy Weaver brought in that were younger, when Hamadou Diallo, Josh Jackson. So I feel like there's a lot to look forward with this young team. And I don't think that you should be using that time to look back on past failures that literally have no trace. There's no trace of any of those regimes left. Tory River got rid of all of it. Like, you can't look at this team and see anything that reminds you of, the, of those past regimes now. So you shouldn't even be thinking about those regimes. So that, that, that's my take on it. So you guys, I'm not going to tell you guys how to fan. That's not what I'm trying to do. But what I am trying to say is that I think that all of this combined should make you guys feel more at peace. Actually, that's the best word. More at peace with the Pistons drafting and developing to where you guys don't think about and constantly want to talk about what happened years ago with different regimes. So here's what it is. Let me know what you guys think about that uh, on Twitter, at NBA. But moving on, when we come back, we're going to talk about three way-too-early goals for the Pistons offseason. But before we get to that, let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Benaline AG. Betting is now legal in Michigan, and if you're anything like me, you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there was one problem I constantly ran into. 
There's just so many different apps to bet through. So which betting app is the best to use? Which betting app is the best for me? That's why I found Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season might be over, but the NBA, the NHL, and MLB are still in full swing. If you want to take your adventures beyond sports, however, BetOnline has you covered there too. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, things I didn't even know you could bet on. BetOnline has real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to BetOnline now to sign up and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, and make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So, like I said, we're going to finish off the podcast with... Three way too early goals for the Pistons uh, offseason coming up. So, like I said, I've, I've already made an emphasis multiple times throughout the podcast, but I'm going to do it again. They're way too early goals. So, like in like a few months, don't hold me to these goals because these goals are likely to change as stuff starts to happen or the, the, the offseason starts to get going. I may change these goals. So, don't hold me to this months from now and be like, Ooh, you didn't do this. they didn't do this goal or you were wrong, blah, blah. Like, come on. Let's just take it easy. So, but three way too early goals. First goal I have, address the shooting. You have to address shooting. The Pistons were awful shooting the basketball. It was awful to watch sometimes. Not sometimes, actually. It was awful to watch all year. The Pistons legit couldn't throw a rock in the ocean, and it really made spacing and everyone's life tougher, especially once Blake and Derrick Rose left because they were just shot careers. Like, they were able to create shots. Now, obviously, Blake was, like, not, not anywhere near what he used to be at all. But he still was like a like a threat that teams somewhat respected still. So they like gave him somewhat of attention. So it made it easier with him on the floor still somewhat, I believe. But especially after they left, you combine with the, the lack of shot creators outside of Jeremy Grant, combine that with having no shooters, it was just it's an awful recipe. And while the Pistons don't want aren't trying to like win a championship anytime soon. Like, they still need to address the shooting in order to develop their players. Because you can't, in order to develop your young players, in order for players to get better, they need to be put in good situations. And I'll tell you right now what's not a good situation. Surrounding your players with the 22nd ranked three-point percentage in the entire NBA, 35.1%. That's not surrounding them with good pieces. That's not doing what's best for them. That's not putting them in the best situations. Also, the Pistons were 22nd and threes made per game at 116 so it's just like they have to get better at shooting, and the piss. Damn, the Pistons were twenty second, twenty first in everything three point shooting related. They were twenty first in three point attempts per game as well. So overall, they just need to address the shooting somehow, some way. They need to get better shooting on this team. They need to space the floor more. They need to make life easier on Killian Hayes specifically. I believe that's the, who I'm really talking about here. Killian Hayes, I think, really needs to have like a. A step forward his sophomore season he needs to be given the best chance possible to have that step forward to like for his confidence and for how he feels about his career and for fans and, and the front office and everything to feel good about him and really like I said for more more for him to feel good about himself you don't want him to come out here and have to deal with the same struggles of this year because there's no space to work with and for him to go into a show and lose confidence or whatever you want to make him feel the best about himself he possibly can and starts with giving him space to work with so 100% number one goal. I don't think this is going to change no matter what for a few years or a few months. So you guys can hold me to this one. But the Pistons have to address the shooting. Have to. Second, second goal I have for them. Resign Hamadou Diallo. Now, unless something happens or unless the Pistons like make a trade before or or like like this is something that can change. It's unlikely to change for me. But like depending on like moves that are made before, 
it, it can change. But either way, right now, I, n- number two goal, re-sign Hamadou Diallo. I think Diallo is a big part of the team's future. He has a boatload of potential. This dude is just absurdly athletic. You guys remember him from the dunk contest. But it, it, when he tries to get to the rim, man, like I talk about this all the time. When he tries to get to the rim, there's no stopping him. Legit. There, I haven't seen him get stopped getting to the paint one time. When he wants to go to the paint, he gets there every time. Like, I'm not I'm not joking at all. And it's crazy because teams play him off his shot. Teams go under the screens. Team, teams welcome him to shoot the three. They step off five feet from him. But still, if he wants to put his head down and get to the paint, he's going to get to the paint. Now, am I saying he makes it every time? No. But the fact that he can get there no matter what, even without a jumper, is wild to me. And he still he brings it under the defensive end. He has some defensive potential that he hasn't reached yet. I think he's a little inconsistent on that end. But he has potential on that end. So, I think, like I said, I just think he has a boatload of potential. I think he's number two goal for the Pistons this offseason. Make sure you resign Hamadou Diallo to what, basically, I, I won't say whatever contract it takes. Because, like, if a team comes out of nowhere and, like, offers him $60 million, like, obviously, don't, you, don't do that. But, like, I, to be, like, realistic, don't get out of pocket with me tweeting me, oh, well, what if they offer this? You still pay them that? Like, come on, just be realistic. So we sign him for what, whatever it takes. Be in, in the realm of realism, okay? Let's just keep it with that. So that's the second goal I have for the Pistons this offseason. The third goal for the Pistons offseason. Now, this one's going to – I know you guys. I might upset some of you guys with this. But this one's a troll. This one was this, this one was going to be a joke. This one was going to be a troll. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm clicking this semi lottery because the goal is finish in the top three in the lottery. Now, the Pistons can't do nothing about this. But I'm making it a goal of theirs anyways. I don't care. So we're going to go ahead and send this lottery and tell you what their fate would be. Would they achieve Coop's three goals if if this lottery was right? So let's go ahead and send the lottery. Hell no, they didn't. I, I, dude, I, did it last time we did this? Did, last time we did this a few podcasts ago, they fell all the way to six, right? They, I'm not, I, like, I'm remembering that correctly, right? They, they fell to six last time we did this. We did this again. They fall to six again. And I've seen it on Twitter, too. I've seen it on Twitter. Everyone's making them. Every time I see a screenshot, the Pistons fall in the sixth. Like, I'm starting to think the Pistons have the highest odds, like a 60, 60% chance of falling to six. I haven't, like, dude, I haven't seen them at five. I haven't seen them at four. Like, all I've seen them is at six. Six, six, six. Like, like, like all over the place. Like, come on, bro, please. Oh, my God. Anyways, the goal is to finish top three. Again, the Pistons have no, like, control over that at all. But I don't care. It will be a failure by this Pistons organization if they do not get a top three pick. I am going to cry. If the Pistons fall, I am going to cry, and my life status will be unknown. You guys will not know about my life status. If there's a few podcasts that go missing, if, if like, all of a sudden, the few days after that, you guys don't get no podcasts, you guys probably know what happened to me, okay? Like, I, I no, I can't. The Pistons have to get a top three pick. I don't care. I don't care that they can't control it. I don't care. They have to do it. It's a goal. It's a goal of mine. You guys can call it. You guys can call it dumb. Cool, you're not being fair to them. I don't care. Life ain't fair. This ain't what what does Stephen A what does Stephen A say? Fair is a place where they judge they they judge pigs and and and, and play rides or something, whatever the hell he says, some shit like that. But and, and anyways, that's my third goal for them. Don't care if they can't control it. But those are my three goals for the Pistons offseason right now. Obviously that third one will change once the lottery happens, and hopefully I'm not hopefully I'm alive. I I, I like living. I enjoy my life. So hopefully they don't fall out the top three. Please. Please, I am sober. Uh, anyways, thank you guys for listening to today's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll be back tomorrow on the 
25th, I believe. No, 26th. I'll be back on the 26th with another podcast for you guys. This is an early early update or early reminder, not update. Early reminder to get your questions in for Wednesday's mailbag like we do every Wednesday. If this is your first time hearing this, make sure you guys get your questions in for Wednesday's mailbag. i also be tweeting it out on my Twitter as well, at NBA, so you can tweet them at me there as well. But until then, I'll see you guys later. Peace out, everybody. Enjoy this NBA playoff basketball, man. It's been amazing. I absolutely loved it. And the by the way, the Bucks are sweeping the heat. You guys can hold me to that. You guys can hold me to that. So I'll see you guys later. Peace out, everybody. Enjoy your day.